And the stars and stripes we can tell There's dreams in sight You've got to admit it At this point in time That it's clear The future looks bright On that train Graphite and glitter On the seabed rail Ninety minutes from New York to Paris Well, by 76 will be This is podcast 370, believe it or not, entitled Serling's Miracle and Ours. And it covers some fairly, um, to me, pretty big territory. And it started out with Donald Fagan's live performance of his wonderful song entitled IGY for International Geophysical Year, which I lived through in the early 60s. It was just imprinted on our brains in our PE classes and all the other things we were doing in the Kennedy era. But in the song, he evokes a future time which will be even better. He feels it'll all be sussed by 76, 1976. And here we are. I don't want to um, carry out of the endless recidivism of human sorrow and tragedy the current moment, but it does seem sometimes like the current moment is pretty excruciating in the world, and that's just a general statement, and I think you'll agree <clears throat> if you follow things, regardless of how you understand what's going on, you'll probably agree with me that it's a pretty pass. It's a pretty, pretty pass. We've been to Israel Many times, and we've seen many sides of a many-sided issue, and oh my gosh, but that's just a part. So I was thinking about where is hope, and believe it or not, what I decided to do was to go back to Rod Serling, <clears throat> because Rod Serling was a man who actually believed in miracles. He definitely believed in fate. He believed in justice. He believed in the punishment of the wicked. He believed in many values that we would call distinctly and definitely liberal. And at the same time, he... uh, could be very pessimistic about the way things were going, although he kept trying. But the thing that distinguishes Serling from a Christian point of view is his love of Christmas. He adored Christmas. He had grown up Reformed Jewish in Binghamton, New York, you know all this, and then became a Unitarian Christian, but a Unitarian. And he referred to it a lot. He was very interested in God and in faith, and it comes through many, probably almost a third of his Twilight Zone episodes, and probably more like... 40% of his many other screenplays and television shows, which I've been sort of screening with a special interest in the religious element. But one thing that stands out, and it stands out long before Twilight Zone and long after Twilight Zone, is his tremendous... uh, um, he, He was taken over by the notion that Christmas, in particular, peace on earth, goodwill to men, was an international, spiritual, and... um life-changing miracle. And the miracle of Christmas comes back and back and back. And uh, it made me think, to be honest with you, a little bit about this rather earth-shaking column by Ross Duthat in the New York Times this past week, which 
people have been talking about all over the place, many people that I know, and probably you have as well, in uh, what is the origin of religion? Where does religion come from, I think, was the title. And people from all over have sent it to me, and you've been sent it too. And um, people are picking up the fact that it relates to Simeon Zoll's work about experience, because the bottom line of Ross Duthat's um, answer or response to the question, where does uh, religion come from, is that it comes from weird experiences, that the origin of religious thought and religious reflection is weird, or one might call them supernatural, or you could call them out of the, out of the normal uh, wheel in the sky that keeps on turning tragically from birth to loss to death, Miracles or events which happen, which are beyond one's um, uh, normal way of looking at life and practicing life, and that the origin of religion, and in particular he talks about Christianity, lay in odd and unusual situations that cause the person that experienced them to scratch his head and say, what? Maybe I'm wrong about things as they are. Maybe there's more to it. And it's a very powerful thought. And Simeon's uh, one of his tremendous themes, and it really has caught fire, is that the if religion is not rooted in experience, in actual heart experiences, then what in the world um, is it all about? Um, and that's where it begins. And I would say that it doesn't begin with dogma or um, whether it's the Gospel Coalition or whether it's the Roman Catholic Church and the Council of Trent. It doesn't begin, uh, begin with ratiocination or certainly not, as the world falsely thinks, and with an agenda, with some kind of moralistic need to control life. That's not where it begins. The vast majority of religious people certainly in their in their um, formative times have had an experience of some kind that <clears throat> causes them to believe there's a, a reality exterior to themselves an exterior to the sort of ABC of the human world and logic and two and two equals four whether it's UFOs as do that very properly um, um, uh, goes into, or whether it's the birth of a baby in Bethlehem and the conditions under which that happened, which were so totally different from what anyone might have expected, or the cross itself and the resurrection and uh, other experiences. We don't have to limit them to one particular format, but I, I tend to see them that way. But even the experiences that I've had, and I've had some what to me are doozers, um, I have to say that was not expected, and it was also sort of called into question a lot of things I might have thought. That's where humility is always such a useful virtue. And what um, is so marvelous about Serling is that with all his sort of Hollywood um, uh, cynicism and his uh, having been in the war and seen some terrible things in World War II, etc., 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 and his own uh, very gifted uh, antennae that were out all the time, and I'm following it. I'm really, really getting into it because I think he has something to tell us, especially about hope. You, you're going to begin, I'm sure. I was telling someone this morning with um, the most um, obvious entry point of the Christmas miracle in uh, Serling's work, which is uh, his script for the Twilight Zone episode entitled "Night of the Meek." It's never been John Zoll's favorite for reasons that I well understand and agree with, but. The core of it is that a, a, a an unreconstructed drunk uh, pseudo Santa Claus is visited by the real Santa Claus on Christmas Eve and is given an enormous gift of generosity, which is obviously going to take his whole life over. And at the end, uh, a uh, um, 
department store sort of floor walker on the one hand and a policeman are thinking about what's happened to them. And uh, Dundee, the floor walker, says to the cop, we'll thank God for miracles, Officer Flaherty. That's what we'll do. We'll thank God for miracles. And Serling finishes the story. And arm in arm, the two men walked off into the night. And over the disappearing sound of tiny bells came the deep resonant ringing of the church bells as they ushered in the next day, the wondrous day, the joyous day above all joyous days, the day of Christmas. Now, not everyone um, is acquainted with a 1971, 10 year later script that he wrote that was produced in his often criticized show, Night Gallery. But... um, he wrote a script and it towers over all the other episodes and the production of it with Edward G. Robinson as the star is amazing. Raf Afet Koto, Kato, his first, um, this wonderful African-American actor who's, uh, whose first uh, real appearance in a television show, maybe a second, also in Serling, was in The Messiah on Mott Street, authored by Rod Serling for Night Gallery. And something extraordinary happens between a Jewish man, a religious Jewish man who's waiting for the Messiah, and an African-American postman who's obviously sort of become the deliverer of the Messiah's good news. And... um, the postman says to the physician who's looking after the Jewish man has just had an extraordinary thing happen. This is how it reads. Mr. Buckman, the postman, closed and locked the mailbox. Every now and then, he said to the doctor, God remembers the tenements. Levine studied him for a moment. How right you are. Happy holidays, he said to the big black man in the policeman's uniform. He tried to shake off whatever it was that clung to him, whatever was that mystifying little itch that laid out clues and then defied him when it comes to that oh-so-simple but oh-so-elusive solution. The postman replied, and to you and yours, the postman answered, and to the whole earth. To the whole earth, this is the conclusion by Serling. To the whole earth, Dr. Levine thought as he walked through the cold early morning. To the whole earth. And the distant bells of Christmas rang loud and clear and long, sufficiently loud and sufficiently clear, so that the whole earth might hear them. Well, I want you to ponder that. Go and you can easily just look it up. You can get it on the Internet Archive, free and clear in exactly five seconds, and watch the entire uh, 1971 production. It's about 25 minutes of The Messiah on Mott Street, and then you can back and easily find the stream, Night of the Meek. And Serling believed in miracles. He believed that they weren't, didn't happen every day, and not every one of his episodes is a Christmas episode, although uh, in his Western series from 1965 that I've been watching episode for episode, miracles happen also. Um, but Christmas and miracle, this is what this uh, uh, episode is about. And, you know, I look at so many insuperable, pro- pro- insuperable problems that people have or insuperable losses or insuperable disappointments or insuperable complexes or insuperable ways of being and temperamental handicaps, uh, whether it's in oneself or in someone else. And um, I might add that Mary Salt does not have, I mean, she's human. God knows she's deeply human, but temperamental handicaps. She had a wonderful father and a wonderful father, a totally non-neurotic father with a apt daughter. That That is a, that is a, a, a mighty, uh, rare combination. And I married uh, into it and, and the beneficiary as uh, are her three sons and even their grandchildren. But Serling's miracle in ours, think about it. I've preached about it recently, but look at those episodes and think about your own miracle. You, you may need one. I love Paula White. I always will. Uh, they're, they're always, you know, you can carp about aspects of Pentecostal theology from a 
historic sort of Protestant systematic theology. You can carp, you can say this and that. But what I absolutely adore about Paula's uh, convinced and sincere ministry is her conviction that God is larger than any problem we have and that the unknown God is desiring to become known and to help us in concrete terms in our uh, insoluble and insuperable impasses and blocks. And she believes it. And she's helped me uh, experience it. And she's helped many, many others experience it. So I'm going to close out this modest podcast about Rod Serling miracle. And he really believed it. He, he, uh, there are many things he didn't believe, but he believed in the Christmas miracle. And, um, I think he believed as a result in our miracle, as I do, and I ask you to consider yours. What's really needed, and why are you so diffident and dissociated when it comes to considering the uh, radical character of the desire of God to help you in your problem? Well, I was once confronted by some members of the faculty no, don't worry, this is not going to get overly specific, at the seminary where I was the dean president. And someone, um, some of, of, of a relative of a member of the faculty, a person we loved, was extremely ill, had become extremely ill. And we gathered together, uh, one to three of us, uh, just happened to be that hour, uh, to pray emergency-wise for the person who was in a very serious uh, physical, life-threatening situation. And we prayed, and as we prayed around the room, and these two others were very reformed, the capital R. I mean, they were conscientiously, extremely and systematically reformed. As they prayed, I realized the prayers had nothing to do, they all were about helping members of the family bear it and helping us to see God's hand in it. And um, sort of, you might say, uh, prayers minimal, to say the least, uh, maybe out of fear of praying uh, for something big. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, these guys, they really don't believe in a God who actually answers specific prayer. They don't. And, and I I prayed for the person. Not that I'm any better, but it came naturally to me to pray for a recovery for this afflicted, very, very ill person far away. And um, and I, we, we did, and, and the, the person did recover. But that's not to say that was my prayer, but I did pray it, and I just was struck. And I wonder about you. Do, do you really actually believe that God could, could handle something that's really major? I, and I've often said that because I, I, I believe you. I'm sympathetic with you if you say no. You can say, this, is, this problem is too big. I can't imagine a solution, and therefore I, have, I just don't have the faith. And I, I accept that. Maybe I can have it for you, IPZ. Maybe someone else can have it for you. Maybe your wife, your husband, your child, your friend, your minister, whoever it is. But um, if you don't have it, something is, something is missing. Rod Serling would say that, and he would sort of want to offer a little bit of a kind of a fun thing at the end of a Twilight Zone episode about maybe Santa Claus and your miracle on this Christmas, but I'd believe him. You might consider that, and do watch those episodes, especially The Messiah on Mott Street. Love you so much. Oh, and here's a man who really believes in a miracle. And I spent three days with him not so long ago, and boy, oh boy, sure help me. This is uh, um, Eddie James. Love you. I believe that before the night is over, somebody is leaving here with a breakthrough. Somebody's going to leave you with a breakthrough in your heart, a breakthrough in your mind, a breakthrough in your finances, a breakthrough in your family. I need about 50 people to shout breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Come on, somebody shout breakthrough, breakthrough. Come on, somebody shout breakthrough. Come on, family.
Tears up my foes Came upon me to eat up